Dooley, Dooley. Okay. Matthew 28, 19. What I want to do today is I, I really think, <laughs> dirty cup, I really think that we need to celebrate this particular day because it is Pentecost Sunday. Pe- who knows what Pentecost Sunday was about? Come on, give me some feedback. Feedback. Pentecost Sunday. What happened? Day of the Holy Spirit came. What else happened? Anyone give me some ideas? You've all read it? 3,000 people got converted. I heard over here. Yep, good. Yeah. What else happened that day? Lots of languages. People started speaking in unknown known languages at that time. Yet what else happened? Holy Spirit came. The church was birthed. That's why it's your birthday. So what we're going to do is get your Bibles out, because I haven't put it up on the notes. And I'm going to read for you the account of the birth of the church, which was very, very significant. We're talking about declaration and this was a declaration that happened that day. I reckon someone asked me how old is the church, and I, I think I've calculated it out to be in 1,985, 86, but I'm happy to be corrected. So do your homework, but I think that's about how old. That's when the church started. This was such a significant time in the life of the church because God declared over people that it's no longer just a people group, but all people are his church, those who believe in him. And it was something really amazing happened. So we're going to read the, the, the account of, uh, of, hang on, go back. It's not Matthew 28, 19. Who said that? There's only one book in the Bible. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Stand up with me. Let's read it. To, I haven't got it up there. So you're just going to have to listen to me, so because it's a last-minute thought. So everyone stand up as I read to you the account of the birth of the church. And then when we've done that, we're all going to sing happy birthday, okay? You got that? So here we go. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly... There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there was devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia. Here we go. Phyriga, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya, um, around Cyrene, visitors from Rome. 
both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs and all who heard these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Their sons and their daughters will prophesy. Their young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the church started. Happy birthday, church. Turn to the person next to you and say, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Turn to the other side and say, happy birthday. Okay, here we go. Tim, lead us in a song of happy birthday. Are you ready? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear church. Happy birthday to you. Oh, we've got some music happening. Oh, no, we haven't got to turn it off. Okay, you can sit down because it is a significant day. And although I didn't want to preach today on Pentecost, although I was keen to, I thought I wanted to keep going on the area of I declare because on that day, with the gift of the Holy Spirit, there was a significant declaration that happened. And it was a declaration that sometimes we forget, and sometimes we don't live within. Many years ago, I, uh, I, was, I was a famous coach. Do you? I don't. So, I, I was a coach to a basketball team, and we actually won two grand finals, thank you very much, and uh, they played for the Baptist Basketball League down at Lakeside. And uh, we were the Kelmscott basketball team under 16s. And I was the coach. Only I discovered something. There's more than one coach when it comes to an under 16 basketball <laughs> team. In fact, the one with the name coach probably isn't the coach. Because I had the team there. We had, I'll, I'll use names to protect the innocent. Um, there, was, there was Bruce. Bruce was bulldozer. Bruce got the ball, head down, and he just drived it out. He didn't care what was there. He just bounced that ball and went straight for the ring every time. And probably about 50% of the time, he might get a goal. Then there was Trigger Happy Craig, and, and he liked the idea of grabbing the ball, and he, as soon as he got the ball, it didn't matter where he was on the court, it didn't matter which way he was facing, he just shot it. He was just, just shot it. 
just like that ball was going to go in my hand, it's going for the ring. And then there was Lanky Larry and Lanky, made up names, Lanky Larry, he just loved, and I remember this particular guy, I'm going to tell you his name, but he just would, he, he, was, he was slow, but he was big. And I just wanted to park him under the ring. That's all I wanted to do. So I said, okay, team, we're playing. There was one particular game. It was a semi-final. And we were playing a Baptist team. There's the problem straight away. Um, no, we, we, we did love them very much. And, um, but this particular game, we didn't. They, they would just go and stay. They would just run down. Every time we got the ball, they would just all go and run and stay in the keyway. That's all they did. Just clogged up the keyway. So I got my team together. Coach Steve. Okay, boys, come on in. This is what we're going to do. This is the game plan. Now, don't go for the ring. Pass the ball on the outside. Draw them out of the keyway. Lanky Larry, you just hover around the back there. And we're just going to wait for the keyway to open up. Then we're going to go in, right? Yeah, coach, got it. Awesome. Great. I, before I could sit down, before I could sit down, I heard a parent say, grab the ball and go for it. And in comes Bulldozer, and he just grabbed the ball and bang, straight into the keyway, missed everything. And then there was Trigger Happy, and he just think, what is going on? You see, the problem was, there was more than one coach. There was lots of coaches. There was lots of voices. There was voices from the parents. I decided to get the parents into the next huddle. That still didn't work. Um, but... There was lots of voices telling us where we got to, what we got to do. But not just the voices from the bench and not just the voices from the crowd, but the voices within. I've got the ball. I'm going to go for it. I'm the best on the... I've, that's sometimes I'm discovering something like life. There are lots of voices. There are voices of society that call out to us. There are voices of our past. There are voices of our parents. There are voices from our mates. There are voices from our workplace. There are voices that are calling us. And that white noise sometimes drains out a truth. And there's a truth that was spoken on that day of Pentecost. And there's a truth that is spoken in the Word that we need to hear. In Exodus 33, I think about verse 7, read it. It's a great story of, of Moses. Now Moses, remember, he's got a whole bunch of people. He's, got, he's, he's leading a whole, a whole nation. So you can imagine how many voices he had. We need this, we need that. What about this? Are you doing that? Should we? He's got all these voices. And it says, Moses, in, in Exodus 33, it says, he got up his tent and he moved it away from everybody. He parked it outside of the community, away from everyone. He had to walk to it. And he went and he sat in that tent so he could hear the voice of God. And people knew when, I, when Moses was in that tent because a cloud sometimes came over it. But it was a tent of meeting. And all through Scripture, you'll hear of times where people had to get away. I mean, Jesus got away. He took off by himself early in the morning. He went up on mountains. He went out in the wilderness for a while. Sometimes we need to get away from the white noise, from all the voices, even our own voices, and hear what the Spirit would say to us about who you are. We need to hear that because there's lots of other voices that are telling you who you are. 
But what about if we could get away? And here, I want to take you to a scripture. And I want you to hear today what the scripture says about who you are. Romans 8, 14. It's a great verse. I love Romans. Romans is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And Paul, who wrote this, and I think this is probably his book, he's probably his favorite book too, I reckon. And he wrote this, and this is what he was saying. He was saying to believers, he goes on, he says, Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, get away and listen to the Spirit, these are sons of God. These are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Hear that. In that scripture, the spirit is the one that reveals. It's the spirit that tells you that he is Abba, Father. It's the spirit that is calling you children or sons or daughters of God. It's the spirit. And sometimes we just need to get away from all the crowds. I love coming here early in the morning when no one's around because it's like going away from everything and just being with him and hearing what the Spirit says. You see, the Holy Spirit today, we remember, has been given to the church. There's a scripture that I always wondered was kind of interesting until I read this scripture. And it's actually in Luke 11 when Jesus is talking about the Lord's Prayer. And he says, you know, this is how you should pray, our Father who art in heaven. And then he goes on to explain what a good father would do. And he says, you know, would, a, would a, you know, a good father, if you asked him for something, would bread, would he give you a stone? If you asked him for eggs, would he give you a scorpion or a snake? Of course he wouldn't. Then he goes on to say this. He says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So here he is, he's talking about stuff, and he says, if you ask him for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Why would the Father give you the Spirit? Because the Father gives you the Spirit, as we find out in Romans 8, to tell you who you are. See, it's his Spirit speaking to your spirit deep down. I remember one day sitting next to a guy, we were sitting in a service, and someone was preaching about something I don't even know what it was about, and all of a sudden he got excited, and he said to me, Steve! I said, what is it? He said, I'm a child of God. I said, what's that got to do with what we're talking about right now? It's like God had just revealed it to him. And my prayer today, as the Holy Spirit is so alive in this place, that your spirit hears his spirit, that his spirit speaks to you deeply and says, you know what? You're a child of God. You're a child of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a child of God. Say, I'm a child of God. It's a powerful thing when you say that out loud. I'm a child of God. It's a powerful thing when I look at you and say, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. I look at you differently. I expect something different from you when I see you as a child of God. You're not just anybody. You're a child of God. 
You see, ask the Father for good gifts, and the Father's going to give you the Spirit that's going to identify who you are, who's going to speak to you, who's going to reveal to you your relationship with the Father God. Look at this scripture in Romans 8. I'm going to dig through it. I spent some time going through this scripture, and I found seven significant things that this scripture actually tells us about what it means to be a son or a child or a daughter of God. Now, I'm not going to go through seven, so I try to categorize them. And I've categorized them to three significant things. When we understand that we're a child of God, look at what this scripture is. It's such a powerful scripture. And when the Holy Spirit takes these words and makes them alive in you, it changes your life. So Holy Spirit, as we look through this right now, help us not just hear the words, but would they become something deep within us? See, the first thing I find about this is that when you become, when the Spirit of God reveals to us that you're a child of God, you've got a new identity. You have a new identity. All through Scripture, the Jewish people did a lot of talking about you are the son of, you are the son of. They used to put the word bar in front of it. So you would be bar Joseph or bar Steve or bar something. You would, be, you would have your identity came from your heritage. Your identity came from your father, from your, your line. All of a sudden now your identity, who you are, comes from your heavenly father is your identity. See, it says, you received the spirit of adoption. You were adopted into the family of God. That's why you can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. There's a beautiful, beautiful opportunity of intimacy when you call someone Daddy. I remember my son who um, recently, or last week, it was his wedding. And so him and I went for a drive and we had to pick up some of the stuff for the wedding. It's about an hour and a half drive there, an hour and a half back. And we had a great conversation, a good father-son conversation. And he said to me, he said, you know, I remember the time, Dad. And I, and I went back to the, the time when this happened. So I remember the time, Dad, when you actually said to me, you can call me Dad. No one else can. You see, in those days, we were at Kelmscott. And we had a large youth ministry. We, we'd get 200 kids to a, to a program, um, all-night programs. They were crazy. I was involved in high schools where there was lots of young people, lots of, and they would all call me Steve. And then there was kids at the youth group. They would all call me Steve. And then there was people in the church. They would all call me Steve. So my son decided that, well, that's what we call you. So he kept calling me Steve. And I sat him down one day and I said, mate, you know what? Anybody can call me Steve. But there's only four people that can call me dad. And you've got the privilege of calling me dad. No one else can call me dad except for my boys. And so he said, great, that's awesome. Thanks, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that an amazing thought? You can call God dad. He's your dad. And it's such a privilege to call someone dad. You are my dad. It's an identity. It's something that you are. You see, your identity might be caught up in trying to be the best mum or the best father to your kids. You might be caught up in trying to be the best 
at your job or the, the most spiritual or you might be caught up in trying to build this external identity. But there's, those identities will come and they will go. They are fluid. Your identity might be given to you by your parents, might be given to you by what you do. But there's one identity you cannot take away. There's one identity you cannot fail at. There's one identity that's been given to you that no one can take away. And that's this. God calls you his kid. You are his kid. You are his son and his daughter. You are a child of God. You can, no one can take that away. It's who you are. That beautiful song, it's who you are. It's who you are. You are loved by him. That's who you are. You're, you're a child. I really, when I first got here about 20 years ago now, 19 years ago, and I was preaching and we used to live down in Kelmscott. I used to drive down home after I'd preached here. And uh, a couple of times I really go out of here and beat myself up. What a stupid message that was. And I was going home and it wasn't a great day. And it wasn't, I lost my thoughts and I went all over the place. And, and I was driving home and I was kicking myself. And I was saying some pretty nasty things to myself out loud in the car. No one else was there, just me, right? Margie wasn't there. <laughs> but I was saying some pretty nasty things. You idiot, you silly person, why do you do that? You, la, 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 la. And all of a sudden, I came down Canning Mills Road, because I came out the back way. I was going down Canning Mills Road, and there's a little spot there I used to stop and pray. And I was getting really annoyed with myself, and I thought, oh, I'm going to just stop for a minute. And I stopped, and I got out of my car, and this thought, and I believe it was God speaking to me through his spirit into me. And his words were, how dare you speak to my child like that? How dare you speak to my child like that? And I went, whoa. You see, you are a child of God. And your father, God, is very protective of you. He loves you. That's your identity. We need to declare it. I am a child of God. Because that's who you are. That's who you are. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children, because they don't know him. That's why you need to hang on to these words in Scripture. That's why we need to listen to the Spirit. That's why we need to get away. That's why we need to declare it out loud, because the world won't tell you that. But the Spirit of God will tell you that. You are a child of God. It will change how you live. It will change how you talk to yourself. It will change how you see other people when you realize that they are a child of God. They are a child of God. Be careful. Because the Father is a jealous Father. He loves his kids. He loves his kids. Another thing I found about that is there's security. Romans 8.14, it says, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage, Again, to fear. You see, there's a security. Fear takes away my security. Fear is the worry about what's around me. Fear is that thing that is in this world at the moment that will cripple us. And bondage to lots of things. But you did not get a spirit of bondage. Jesus didn't say, okay, you're here now. You're going to do what I say. And this is it. And I'm the boss. And I'm going to... No. It's a father relationship that loves his kids. 
And your security is that your father, who loves you so much, said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm always going to be here. My love endures forever. This is me for you. You are a loved child of God. That's your security. Your security isn't in your house or your money. Your security isn't in your friendships around you. Your security isn't in your position. Your security is in your relationship with God. You are a much-loved child of God. There's something else that happens here, and this is the authority. It says Romans 8, 17. If children, then heirs, heirs of God. Understand what that actually means, to be an heir of God. You see, it means that I take on his name. You see... My son, Jaden, he is who he is, not because of the last name I give him, but because of the last name God gives him. His authority is in who, he, who his heavenly father is. Tim Peters, your authority is not in your last name, Peters. It's in your last name. You're, you're, a, you're a son of the living God. Your father who has all authority. He's given you a name. He gives you a jacket. He gives you a responsibility. You know, there's others I could go through. Dave, you know, you're, you're, you're a child of God. Your, your identity is in Francis. Your identity is you're a child of God. That's your heritage. That's now your new place. You've been adopted. You've now got authority in the kingdom of heaven. See, why did Jesus say to his disciples, all authority has been given unto me, therefore go. In other words, I've got this authority. You're my child. I give you authority to go. You've got my name now. You've got my name. Use my name. It's over you. That's who you are. When we, when we pray for our neighbors, we can pray and talk to the Father God because you are children of God. You have a new identity. You have a new security. You have new authority. Why? Because you're a child. You're a child of God. But here's another one I saw, I saw four actually, which I didn't like because it hurts too much. And this one here, he parents us. You are parented when you become a child of God. We suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. There is something about that part of that scripture when you dig it around. Basically, what God takes us through is a place of what we don't like. It's discipline. What's discipline? Discipline is not about just telling you off for the sake of it. It's about forming and directing and molding you towards the right direction. And sometimes we go through disciplines that we don't like. That tough stuff we go through? Oh, no. Maybe God's just changing our heart. He's just softening our heart. He's just taking us to a place. He's saying, it's okay, this is part of the discipline because I love you. I love you so much. But, you know, it's not fair. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through this sickness. I don't want to go through this difficult time financially. I don't want to go through this relational issues. And God's saying, allow me to discipline you in this time because I'm forming you. I'm helping you grow as children. See, see it all joy, my brethren, as you go through trials of many kinds. Why? Because he's disciplining us. He's our parent. He's our dad. He's looking after us. He's saying, this is good for us. Why have you sent me to a room, dad? Because I need you to just stop and think for a while. 
I feel so separate from everybody. That's okay. We're going through some discipline right now. Not that you're bad. It's just that we're correcting and we're forming and we're taking you. It's a beautiful opportunity for the Father God to actually say, sometimes we go through tough stuff because he's just parenting us. Romans 12.9 says, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who correct us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the disciplines of the father of our spirit and live forever? For our earthly father disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they know how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. You are a child of God. You have an identity. You have a security. You have, you have authority. And you've got a good father who's allowing you to go through life to help us grow. There's a great story that I'm going to finish off with in scripture. And you all know it, it's a story that Jesus told. But when you understand the day of Pentecost and that revelation and that declaration of the Spirit over the church, that, that this was a great forming of relationship like the, like the Jewish people never ever seen before. This, is fan, this was an awesome turning point. You go, wow, now I can see, when I understand that you are now my Father, my Heavenly Father, this makes a lot more sense. You see, there was a story that Jesus told. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. But really, it's a parable of the prodigal father. Because the name prodigal basically means wasteful or reckless or to give up everything, to use everything up. And although the prodigal son was the son who took all his inheritance and burnt it up, look at the father. The father gave all that he had and gave it to his son knowing that he was going to waste it. And look at the father who when the son decides that, oh my goodness, this isn't working, I feel separate now from my family, I might as well go back and be a servant. That's what he said. But what did the father do? The father said, I heard my son's coming back. Quick everybody, put a dinner on. Put, get the best meat that we've got, the best, the best fatted calf. Let's get that cooking. Let's get the party happening, everybody. Give me that cloak again. I want to go and give it to my son. And he goes running out and he, I don't know, I get the picture that he went running to his son. And he hugged his son and said, welcome home, son. But I don't deserve to be your son. I gave up that right. Now you're always welcome back as my child. He was radical is acceptance back. And I don't think that's actually, I think that story is about you and me. That story is about you and me where we've been given an inheritance, we've been given everything, and we go and burn it up on ourselves, our right to be children, and we burn it up on ourselves. Look what I've got. That, that, that even the gifts of the Spirit, sometimes we use it for our gift. Sometimes we use our freedom too lightly and we burn it up. 
And then we wonder why we're sitting here feeling so separate from the Father. Because all that stuff I learned that I had has been slowly disappeared. And today I think the Father says, come back. Because you come back to me, you're still going to be accepted as my son and my daughter. You're still going to be welcome back. In fact, I'm going to put a party on and I've got a new cloak for you to give you that identity back. And we're going to have that parenting is going to start happening again and that authority as my son comes back and that position and identity comes back. You see, I think the prodigal son is about the prodigal father who welcomes us back even though we don't deserve it sometimes. Maybe you've felt like you've lost your identity as a child of God. Maybe you've forgotten that you're a child of God. Well, the prodigal father's waiting for you. He's waiting for us. Because he says, you're my kids. You're my kids and I love you so much. And I want to help you grow so much. Yes, I'm going to have to correct you. But this is your position. We're going to come into a time of communion. And as we as our helpers hand out that communion now, and I'm going to ask our, our singers, our musicians to come up. And as we come into a time of communion, this day of Pentecost, your birthday, I want you to take the bread. And don't eat it, just eat it together. Take the bread. And that bread is a reminder of Jesus, his lordship, his authority. He walked here on earth. He revealed himself to his disciples as being the promised Messiah. Even in that Passover feast, he revealed himself. So hang on to that bread for a moment and just think about it. Jesus, who brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. And the cup, which was the sacrifice that makes it possible for you to come into relationship. Because yes, we have moved away. Yes, we have sinned and sin separates us. But the blood of the Lamb makes it possible for us to be accepted again. And that's why the, the cross was such a powerful place because at the cross of Jesus, God was saying, I am, being, I am giving up everything for the sake of you to be my children. Confess your sin. Confess your need for the sacrifice of Jesus. Accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Hang on to that bread and cup. And as you do that, I want you to say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me, not in my head, not, not just logically, I want to know in my spirit, that in my spirit it would cry out, Abba, Father. That when I declare later at the end of this service, when we declare that we are children of the living God, we won't just say it because we're repeating words, but we say it deep down. As the music's playing, I just want you to maybe close your eyes and reflect for a moment. And ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you afresh you're a child of God.
Father God, as we come before you and we hold this bread and we hold this cup, we acknowledge our need for Jesus and we say thank you. Father, who's waiting for us to come walking down that laneway. But as we come back to you, would we hear your voice? Say, welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. Come take the pride, the seat that I've got for you. My child's seat. child of God and because of that you have authority in his name because you now wear his name he loves you so much that spirit of love would you just flood this place there's some people here today that just need to know the father's love Maybe you felt guilty over stuff. It's okay. The Father's made it possible. If you confess it, He he washes you white and snow and He accepts you back. Maybe there's stuff that's been digging inside you that's been causing you to be fearful and bound up to to stuff, bound up to, to life issues, bound up. It just won't go away. Well, remember, you haven't got that spirit of bondage. You have a spirit of relationship. I humbly come before you, Father God, and I say, would you now release a fresh outpouring of your Spirit on your church? And we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your kids say thank you. Abba, Father. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. Why don't we just stand and just sing before we go into the last song? Just sing the chorus of that one again. Are you just playing? Can we do that? Or are you going to have that for the whole thing? Yeah. No. Can we do that later? We just had the chorus of that one. You're the son of, you're the, is that, that was beautiful. I've forgotten the words. It was 2819 or something. Just stand, just sing this song as, you, as the cups are being collected. Can we just sing this part, just the chorus part? Sunset's free.